Welcome to the QAV Podcast. My name is Cameron. This is a weekly investing podcast where I chat with my friend Tony. Tony's a very successful investor. He's been doing it for about 30 years. His returns on average are about double the market over that period of time. And he's able to get those returns because he developed a system of value investing that we call QAV, quality at value. How do you find good quality companies and how do you buy them at a discount to their intrinsic value? It's basically a scoring system. We look at the fundamentals of the companies and that's what we teach our club members. Uh, In terms of the podcast, we have a free episode each week, goes for about half an hour. That's what you're listening to now. We have a longer episode, usually goes for an hour to an hour and a half. And I'll tell you more about that at the end of the episode. Anyway, let's get into this week's show. Welcome back to QAV, episode 702. TK, back in the booth in uh, sunny Sydney, TK. How you doing? Good. You have had a great rest, thank you. What have you been doing over the Christmas, New Year's break, TK? Yeah, it's been busy. I've been down to Cape Shank, um, did Christmas down there, came back up here, uh, had Brody up on the weekend. We played a couple of rounds of golf. Um, as you can probably see... We've spent the last few days moving furniture around at our place because we're getting ready to um, to list the Sky Palace. We're moving on. Wow, that's big news. Ooh, I mean, your is. market value would be at an all-time peak now because of the Sky, the Sky Palace moniker that I created. So uh, I'll be expecting my commission when you sell it for coming up with the Sky. Is that how your real estate agent is marketed, just the Sky Palace? No, no. no? No, see, they don't know a good thing when they yeah. hear it. Well, I'll, I'll talk to them about it. Yeah, tell them I want to mention cut, it. Though. Right. So you're moving out of Sydney. That's the plan. I mean, one step at a time. We um, need to get a price here so that we can move to Melbourne, settle in down there, put our feet up, pay the mortgage down, off. And that's it. <laughs> Retirement in Melbourne. Yes, live off dividends. Well, that's exciting. And Melbourne, obviously, because that's where Alex is, your daughter. Yeah, that's right. Yep. They also tell me there's a price differential between Sydney and Melbourne, so we're hoping that we can uh, buy something, you know. It's probably – no, well, something is good in Melbourne as we're leaving oh, here. Right. Not, But I think it will struggle to find something equivalent. Um, You're not going to get that view. No, no, exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so – Time to move on. Jenny's, you know, she's on the board, um, which is barely covering the cost of staying here in terms of body corporate fees and things like that. Right. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's time to, to think about retirement. And uh, you lived in Melbourne for how long last time? Uh, on and off over 20 years. So you've got deep roots in Melbourne, lots of yeah. friends. Melbourne feels like home to me, really. Me too. <laughs> well, move down. I'm jealous. <laughs> I can't, man. I can't leave my kung fu school now. I'm screwed. You know, got to uh, even the grandmaster's down there, but he's retired. I was going to say, how about that? Brisbane's got the only kung fu school in Australia. Not the only, just the best, <laughs> the best kung fu school. I could never leave. Maybe when I get my black belt, we might be able to leave and go somewhere. 
Well, that's big news, Tony. Um, big news in the market while you've been away. I don't know if you were paying much attention, but it had like a it finished the year fifty two week high, give or take, depending mm. on whether you look at my numbers or the financial reviews numbers. Almost at an all time high mm. by by the end of December, and then a start of the new year by just going tits up. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a Santa rally. You just had a hangover in January. A Santa rally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, as always, I can't really tell wh- why it was going up and why it was going down. doesn't seem like much has changed. People no. think rates are going to go up. They think they're not going to go up. They think they're going to go up. goes backwards and forwards. Yeah, I mean, when the market does this, it's a bit of a debate of opinion. It's before Christmas, people were saying, oh, that's it for rate rises in the US. They'll be cutting them soon. And mm. bear in mind, people are looking generally nine months ahead when mm-hmm. they make financial decisions on the stock market, or at least the big funds do. Sure. And then um, so they started to to buy into the market. And then after Christmas, they went, oh, hang on. Maybe it's not going to – interest rates mm. may not come down as quickly as soon as we thought. so They sobered up. They sobered Basically. up, exactly, yes. <laughs> Christmas lunches were all done. Yeah. And they sobered up and, you know, were like, oh, shit. They start thinking about <laughs> well, you know, who they slept with at the Christmas party, whether or not there are photos. <laughs> Should they have really done it in Parliament House? Um, uh, geez, I'm just thinking about our Christmas party and it's not a pleasant thought thinking about who we'd sleep with. <laughs> <laughs> and besides my wife yeah of course of yeah, course goes without saying very pleasant. yeah um and you know but also uh, too i think it's it's also um it's also a thing that there's what they call window dressing so at the end of every at the end of every year in particular but half and quarter uh fund managers buy and sell things to make their returns look better so it's not unusual for on the last couple of days for there to be a rally and then it pulls back. So, like, if they, if they own a shitty stock 24th of December or, or 30th of December, they sell it, their portfolio goes up, market goes up, blah, blah, blah. and then, you know, next next day, January 1, they buy it back again. Really? Does that really hmm. happen? Yeah? You think oh, yeah. Thing? Window dressing's a thing. Absolutely. All that, well, I know the questions are going to get asked, right? Like, when they rule off their books and they go along to their analyst meetings and the first thing the analyst is going to say is, you know, why don't you have Tesla in your portfolio? Yeah, right. So they all buy Tesla, right, before Christmas yeah. and the, the market rises. Yeah. Yeah. They probably should have seen that question coming and bought it a little bit earlier. Oh, some do, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, our portfolio, when I did the report earlier this week, since inception, 2nd of September 2019, for people paying attention, um, it, it's doing a little bit little bit less than double market since inception. Actually, I say since inception, but now I'm using the all-time thing for Nevexa, which probably goes back to when the first money was spent, but oh, right. we, fi- we figured out that Nevexa is smart, uh, good enough to work out cash flows and insult, you know, cash on hold and work it all out. Anyway, whatever it is, it says, uh, yeah, we're about just a little under, a little shy of 16% per annum over mm-hmm. that period um, versus 
the um, STW, the SBDR200, which is about 8.8%, a little bit under 9. And just on that, I mean, I, I hope I'm not telling tales out of school, but you were talking about one of our listeners who was sceptical of those returns and set up a regression test, and what did they come back with after doing their testing? Yeah, I think you said it was about 18 to 19% yeah. a year, uh, <laughs> regression testing it over like, I don't know, 20 years or something. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, seems to work, funnily enough. Uh, for the financial year, the dummy portfolio is doing about 1.6 million. <laughs> seems to work, funnily enough. Funnily enough, yeah. Who would have thought? I'll put that on my tombstones. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Seemed to work, funnily enough. Funnily enough. <laughs> hey, could do hey, worse. Yeah, how about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Every, the financial year, the dummy portfolio is doing about 1.6 times better than the SPDR 200. 30-day report, um, we were doing much better than the STW in the first week of January. By the second week of January, not so much. We'd slipped down. A um, lot of stocks in the red in the last seven days. That was when I did this yesterday. So it's, yesterday morning's probably worse today. Uh, and in the last week, we had to sell Whitehaven Coal and we bought CAA. Right. Mm. Thank you, Tony. Um, you want to do your pulled pork on Resimac? Let I me just do. Check to see if it's uh, in the buy list. <laughs> What's the code? RMC. It's number one on the buy list of the one I've I got mean, anyway. I mean, in my alerts list. Uh, yeah, no, it's okay. You can you can talk about this one. Go go for your life. Oh, I thought I thought you'd have it in the light portfolios already because it's it's top of the buy list. It's a it's a in the possible portfolios. The one I fill up when we don't have actually any cash left to buy anything. Ah, okay. or we've got two portfolio two parcels of it, something. But I still want yeah. to give light people an option. So yeah, we've held it since the 29th of December, and it's up eight percent since then in the possible portfolio. Okay, well you know, give people warning. I'm going to you hold it. <laughs> I'm about to do a pulled pork on it. Yeah, you saw you saw the one that happened uh, when you were away, right? Um, oh, was... call lithium. Yeah, I and did. But, you... but in my defence, I said, yeah, yeah, don't buy it till the price improves. Yeah, yeah, and then it crashed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, off you go okay. with Resimac. Pork Resimac RMC. So it's a non-bank mortgage lender. So what that means is that. It doesn't take deposits. So in Australia, to be legally called a bank, you've got to get approval to take deposits, become a an authorised depository, I think it's deposit receiving company. Anyway, you've got to be authorised to take deposits and follow all the rules and regulations for that. But this company doesn't, but it still lends, um, still loans uh, mortgages and personal loans and business loans to people, uh, so, which means that it tends to play in the in the part of the market where people can't get loans from the big banks for whatever reason, like they're a contractor or they're a small business owner or they're credit impaired, they've had some credit problems. Um, so this company basically uh, uses brokers to sell uh, their, their mortgages. It also has an online business, which it uses to um, to also market their securities or their, sorry, their loans. And then it, what it does is it, it pulls all the mortgage loans over a period uh, rolls them all up, gets them rated, and then puts out what's called an, um, a mortgage-backed security. It's a bit like a bond to the market. So 
people who want a, a guaranteed income will go into the market and buy these securities and they'll get a guaranteed coupon value from RMC, which will be less than what the mortgage uh, mortgagee has to pay them for the mortgage loan that they've lent them. And then RMC takes the gap, the, the margin between those two numbers. So that's that's their business model, and I'll come back to it in a little while. Uh, the company's been around for a long time, and they claim they've issued $45 billion worth of mortgage-backed securities since 1987. They claim more than 50,000 customers and $13 billion in home loans at the moment. Uh, so, as I said, they they lend to people who find it difficult to get loans from the major banks. They do, from time to time, actually also lend to, to compete with the major banks. That's called prime lending. But their, their bread and butter is the self-employed and the credit impaired. And they charge a higher rate to those customers to take into account the bigger chance of default. Uh, but they they you know borrow for less than that in the um, in the mortgage-backed securities market, so they get a margin. Uh, they operate in New Zealand as well as Australia, uh, and they also operate a couple of different brands. So Resimax, their main one, but they also have HomeLoans.com.au, which sells online. Uh, they also have an asset finance business offering business loans, car loans, personal loans, and equipment financing. So think of it, think of it being a bank in the traditional sense, but doesn't have deposits. Um, the securitization model, though, I think is interesting, and I should should call it out uh, because you know if we go back to GFC times. Uh, even though they're not issuing the type of CDOs, the collateralized debt obligation that that caused the problems with the GFC, they are issuing something similar, which is to roll up mortgages, get them rated, and then issue them into the into that same sort of market. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with what they do; it's, it's worked for them for a long time, so I have confidence in what they do. However, if that market dries up for whatever reason, um, because of something other something else that's going on or there's another you know GFC mark 2 in that market coming along um, then they'll have difficulty raising funds to be able to issue um, mortgages they they did come through the GFC they did come through covid so they they do know how to handle these kinds of uh, markets in, in difficult times but their share prices did take a hit in both both those kinds of uh, the both those times so there will be issues for them um, getting to the numbers, the ADT for this stock is only $48,000, so it's not large. It'll suit people who, who um, have smaller portfolios. Uh, the price I'm doing the analysis at is $1.15, um, which is greater than consensus target. We don't often see that, but it is in this case, so scores a, a zero or gets a cross for us on that, scores a zero. Uh, yield on the company is rather good, 6.96, which is above the average for Mortgages, so uh, gets a hit for that. Interestingly enough, Stock Doctor financial health is unknown. So Stock Doctor, their financial health model can have difficulties with some kinds of finance companies, that, especially ones that operate in this kind of market, because it it doesn't have the normal sort of business model that, that they're used to <clears throat> rating. It doesn't have a sort of coffee shop model, if you if you like, and and I think. That will become apparent when I go a bit further into the numbers. So uh, 
Current score for financial health, ROE is pretty good, 16.75. PE is kind of low, 6.98, but not the lowest, so we can't score it for that. Now, we get to operating cash flow. So the prop calf that we calculate for this company is 0.23. So the price to operating cash flow is 0.23 times. Um, but in this case, operating cash flow is a bit more like sales. So it's more like basically operating cash flow for this company is the income from loaning people mortgages, um, which is fine, which is only one side of the equation, though, because of the financing cash flows has the coupons that they have to pay the people who take out these um, retail mortgage asset-backed uh, securities. So um, prop calf on an operating cash flow basis for the company is 0.23 times. But if I add back or I subtract the financing cash flows, uh, the prop calf goes up to three times. So it's still really low, but you know it just highlights that the sort of accounting standards for a company like this are a little bit different to... Um, a normal industrial type company. Uh, price, as I said, was a dollar fifteen. It's greater than IV one, which is eighty five cents. Less than IV two, which is a dollar twenty one. Uh, so it scores one for that. Um, and it, uh, net equity per share is a dollar four. So its share price is above that. But book plus thirty is a dollar thirty five. So share price is below that. So on our sort of heat map valuation, it's getting a two out of four, which is not bad. Um, interestingly enough, the forecast growth for this company is minus 24% for EPS. So we're giving it a minus one for that. Uh, I'm sort of covering some of the risks now for this company now rather than at the end, but they did call out in their annual report that this year has been tough for them. 2023 uh, has been tough for them. Uh, for two reasons. Um, one, because housing starts have been low, all the sort of COVID problems that we had uh, with supply chain, et cetera, um, and the lack of uh, immigrants for a couple of years there during COVID, you know, slowed down the, the housing commence commencements, which means less mortgages, which has hurt this business. But also what what's going on is there's been a mortgage war amongst the major banks in the last uh, 12 months. And and ever since the Hame Royal Commission, the major banks are basically just mortgage banks now, or do they take deposits, but um, they've all sold off their insurance businesses and their wealth management arms. And so they're left basically just with lending people money for housing, just some personal loans and credit cards, et cetera. But that's basically the bread and butter of Resimac. So I expect, you know, that Resimac may face some stiffer competition, Um I don't know how long it'll be before these big, you know, Goliaths in the market. You know, I think Rizimac has about a 450 million market cap, and what's come back now over getting up towards 100 billion. So there's a huge disparity there. Um, might be 75 billion from memory. Um, so one of two things is going to happen: either the banks will progressively move up the risk ladder and say, "Okay, we'll start lending money to." people who are self-employed or, um, you know, haven't been able to get our prime tier loans. Or what may happen is one of the banks will just go, hey, let's not build it, let's buy it. And they buy Resimac um, and bolt that on to their own business. Subject to ACCC saying it um, doesn't, you know, uh, doesn't uh, reduce competition in the market. But I think it's a watch the space. And I, I think it's fair to say that Resimac may, may find May get stiffer competition for um, from um, uh, 
from uh, the major banks going forward. Um, going through the numbers further, uh, there's there's no owner founder. However, a guy called Duncan Savile owns 63.5% of the company. So, and I'm not sure whether it's him directly or through his fund. He chairs a company called ICM, which is a, a, a large fund manager. Uh, so as we've said before, with with companies that have this situation, we still score them because there's someone on the on the on the the board with huge investment experience, but it's not the fa- owner founder. So it swings around about. So I guess I think it is beneficial to a company to have someone with this kind of skin in the game who is also, you know, really experienced at investing around the world. So I'm happy to have it as a one in the checklist for that. Um, it's a new three-point trend line upturn since the last result, so it scores for that. And it has been increasing equity consistently. And as I said before, um, you know, that would probably cover, if not the COVID period, the immediate past COVID period, immediate post-COVID period. And so um, it's good that the company can grow equity during those kinds of downtimes as well, um, even though people, you know, uh, even though it may have had problems with funding during that time. Anyway, all up, quality score is 67%. The QAV score is 2.92, which pops it on the top of our list. But if I, rather than use prop cash, if I use uh, operating cash flow, less financing cash flow, uh, it drops the score, the QAV score drops down to 0.22, which is still high on our list, but not the top of the list. So I'm just highlighting that to people that sometimes, you know, the prop cap isn't the, isn't the uh, universal measure and we need to just dig a bit deeper, but it still scores well for us. Um, in terms of other risks, uh, you know, I spoke about the, the major banks. Um, the, the mortgage war could continue. I mean, the mortgage war this year has been caused by two things. One, mainly because ANZ um, have been going after market share because they're still trying to convince the ACCC that they should buy the Suncorp banking arm, and their key argument is that uh, the market will be equally competitive if they soak up Suncorp as, as it is now. So it's trying to prove that the big banks can be competitive, um, which has meant undercutting the other, undercutting the rates in the market. But the second thing, which is also there, of course, is that people are coming off their two percent fixed loans taken out during COVID, and um, you know the banks have been fighting each other to to rewrite those loans at higher rates. So it's been a very competitive market. Um, both of those two things will probably finish in 2024 if they haven't already. So the mortgage rates might normalise, or the mortgage market might normalise, but there's no there's no um, necessary reason for that to happen. Um, so Resimac may find stiff competition, and they called out in the annual report that they didn't write much in the way of prime loans last year because the banks were so competitive. But when the banks are fat and lazy and the market settles down, then um, Resimac do go into that prime market as well and compete with them. Um, so that's going to be choppy for them. Uh, what else can I say? Uh, yeah, no, I think that's probably it. The business model, I think, is is always going to have issues. Um, it, look, they've been managing it for a long time and it's working for them, but should there be a, a tightening or a constraint in that uh, asset-backed securities market, then that that will crimp their ability to originate new mortgages, which will crimp their growth. Um, the last point I made was that the forecast uh, EPS uh, negative growth of 
may already I think it probably is already priced into the stock price. It's come down a lot in the last twelve months, uh, and that might actually um, turn out to be fully priced at least, or um, we might see it get written back if the mortgage uh, wars abate a bit. So it's um, and I think the market's kind of working that out because the, the share price has gone for a run over the last month or so. It's been dropping, looking at their chart, for quite a long time, sort of peaked in February 2021. Um, that's well before interest rates started to go up, right? Yeah, but that's when, was that when housing starts may have started to come off because of COVID? Mm, no idea. I'm wondering yeah. if you picked up anything in your reading on it about why no, it's I didn't. been coming off since then. I didn't. All I picked up was the last 12 months in the annual report that they mentioned that mortgage mortgage um, competition was really strong. Right. And the housing starts were down. So it's kind of like a perfect storm for their business. But they still did reasonably well. But the share price has come down, for sure. Yeah, quite a lot. Hmm. All right. Thank you, Tony. There you go, RMC. Um, hi, Alex. Hello. <laughs> for the third time. <laughs> hey. Hey, they don't know that. Welcome yeah. Happy New Year! Now we Alex. can't use that intro. Thank you. Alex. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, the magic <laughs> of making the sausage is gone. Um, what what news do you have for us in twenty twenty four, Alex? News? Um, found a new house, which is good. So we're we're moving next week. <laughs> Just- oh, fantastic! Yep, it's literally two blocks down the road, and I said I wanted to move to St Kilda. But we made it two blocks south, so you know we're going in the right direction. Maybe in a couple of years, two blocks we'll make at it a time. South of the yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep, but it's oh, well, good. Well, that's that's exciting for you. Yep, I've got a full upstairs. Um, it's kind of like a loft kind of upstairs that will be the studio. So I'm pretty excited about oh, that. Oh, nice, fantastic. Yeah. Well, good luck with all of that. Thank Do you. you have a question for the listeners today? Yeah, I thought I'd read Angus's question if that sounds good. Yes. Yes. So Angus says, hi, Cam and TK. There was a long-running thread on the ASA forum, I believe titled, Follow This Trade, spearheaded by investor Bill Dodd. He had a system with some similarities to QAB. He would filter stocks by some fundamentals, then use technicals for entry and exit. I've So he's attached one of the documents to outline the system. Um, he had a five-store portfolio and was running it as a paper portfolio with claims of similar returns to QAB in backtesting. I think the forum thread was getting too hot for the ASA and they asked him to shut it down due to fears of people taking it as investment advice. I know we have a few options floating around regarding adjustments to Rule 1, but I was wondering if TK has ever come across or trialled an ATR stop loss. I've attached the documents for full details of how Dodd implemented this. Cheers, Angus. Yeah, well, thanks, Angus and Alex. Uh, I have because... ATR is stands for average true range, and that's what most of the Renko calculators use to create the blocks in a Renko graph. They use the average true range to to give the volatility of a stock, and that range is one block, whether it's red or green, for buy or sell. So yeah, so um, I haven't I haven't particularly just done an ATR stop loss trial, but I had. Um, been interested in Renko for quite a while, uh, and I guess it really is a it really is an ATR stop loss system because when the block goes from green to red, you're meant to sell. So 
and it uses ATR to calculate the block size. But but just quickly, if anyone wants to know about average true range, I mean, by all, my, all, all means, Google it in Investopedia or whatever. It'll have a much better definition than what I can give. It is a bit calcu- it is a bit um, mathematical, so I, I can't give a like a formula out over the podcast so it'd be too hard. But basically, it's looking at volatility and range. So it takes a period of time and it says the stock has gone between these ranges um, and, and it adjusts all the time and it adjusts for volatility as well as just the max and min. So runs all that through a, a mathematical formula and comes up with an average true range. And as long as the, the stock trades within that range, it, it's a green in the Renko chart that changes. If it goes above that range, it's still a green. It's a new block that gets started. If it goes below that range, it's a red block and you're meant to sell. So that's what an average true range is. It's a way of measuring the volatility and the period, I guess, of the of the stock over, over a certain period of time. Um, just an update on that Renko trial. So I've done... Started two portfolios back in April of last year. One which simply added the Renko graph to the current QAV process. So, if you like, it was another step. Don't buy a stock if it's Renko red, and buy it when it's green, but sell it when it's red, as well as all the other sells on commodity and three-point trend lines and rule ones, etc. Um, I've stopped that now because it's under underperformed. Um, last time I looked at. I think I stopped it. It was about minus 10% compared to the SDW over that time period, which is up about 4 or 5%, I think. So it wasn't worth continuing. It was a headache to do because it was an extra step in the process. And I was always getting alerts from Stock Doctor to say, this thing's rule one or it's a three-point trend line sell or it's a Renko red. Um, plus, it was difficult to actually set up alerts for Renko. There's no alert in Stock Doctor for it. You've got to just say, at, you got to sort of eyeball it and say, at this price, I think it'll go back to being a Renko Red and then put a stock alert in for that. So you might get an alert to say it's Renko Red. You go and check the graph and it wasn't because the periodicity, the ATR had changed the the value in the block. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I've stopped doing that. I have continued with the Renko only trial. So I did another trial portfolio which replaced our sells and um, sentiment buys. So not using three-point trend line charts, not using commodity charts and not using rule ones, but just Renko charts. And that's doing, still not beating the STW, but it's closer. So it's currently sitting at minus 4% since April last year and versus the STW, which I, I've got down here in my notes is 2%, but it might be a little bit more than that now since last time I checked. Um, so I'll persist with that and see. But, uh, you know, just with all of these kinds of momentum indicators, uh, I'm not going to dismiss them because I think there's a lot of merit in them. I think there's always merit in checking sentiment when you're buying and selling. Um, But I had found with moving averages in particular that the three-point trend lines gave me a crisper earlier buy and sell signal than these things which which, um, tend to take. They take a time period before they establish whether it's a buy or sell. And that can slow down the process a little bit. So, yeah, that's that's my summary, Angus. I'll, I'll keep trialing Renko. Um, it isn't working at the moment. And Renko uses ATR. So I, I don't think it's going to be a replacement for what we do. Uh, do you know anything about the guy who came up with ATR? Uh, no. <laughs> 
Yeah, I do. His name was Wells Wilder Jr. John Wells Wilder Jr. He was an American uh, real estate developer, engineer, and is called the father of technical analysis or something like that, or for oh, right. certain t- certain technical indicators. Anyway, only died a couple of years ago, 2021, aged 85 in Christchurch, New Zealand, where he and his wife had moved to. But I, I read up a little bit uh, on him when I was learning about ATF and got these quotes from him, which I thought I'd read out. Good quotes. Yeah. Okay. Letting your emotions override your plan or system is the biggest cause of failure. Mm-hmm. Second one was some traders are born with an innate discipline. Most have to learn it the hard way. Yep. <laughs> That's true. And the third was if you can't deal with emotion, get out of trading. Three great quotes. Are they great? Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. Although, I mean, I don't know. I think the system um, helps deal with emotions. Like, yeah, that's the the point point of a system. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so I'm not dismissing Renka. I'm not dismissing ATR. Um, Just doesn't seem to perform as well as what we do now. And Bill Dodd, the guy he was talking about, you ever heard of Bill Dodd before? I have not. No. Not related to uh, David Dodd, as far as I can tell, of Graham and Doddsville. Yeah, okay. Um, I mm. fir- as, when I first saw the email, I was like, have we heard of Bill Dodd? And he's got a similar similarities to yeah, QAV. Right. Well, duh. And then I found out <laughs> the same guy. <laughs> yeah, and look, I think that's a great – if people want to follow Bill Dodd, look into it by all means. Um, I think I think all these systems um, that have been back-tested, that have fairly rigorous and provide you a way of trading and emotionally are worth investigating. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And let us know uh, yeah. what you find. Or even just take bits and pieces from it and let us know. Hmm. Yeah. So a lot of mathematics, you said, in um, ATF, ATR. ATRs. Tony, is, that, ATR, is that something we should get Alex to comment on? <laughs> you want to explain it to us? Uh, <laughs> 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 no, I was, I was I was inviting Alice to talk about her. Was it your grade twelve probabilities maths project we worked on? Yeah. How was it grade eleven? I can't remember. Uh, I think it was 12, twelve, but it was IB, so it was over two years. Yeah. So okay. it was over two years. I still don't remember anything about it or how the maths worked, but um, I remember enjoying talking with you about it. That's the takeaway. Oh. Yeah, well, we um, we downloaded a lot of um, horse form, didn't we, and worked out the probabilities of different things predicting the result. First foray into Excel as well? Yes, that's Who right. So we looked at things like um, the strike rate percentage, if I recall, and tried to work out whether a horse with the best strike rate percentage in a race would win more often than the average. <laughs> and ever since then, Alex has spent every weekend down at the track. <laughs> Amazingly, she hasn't, but her father has. <laughs> That's why she has to move. The bookies are chasing her. She's on the lamb. She's having to run from her uh, gambling debts. Yep, keeping a low profile. <laughs> <laughs> She's moving house again because of it. Mm-hmm. Gave up. A, yes, that's what I just said. Gave up a career in mathematics uh, to pursue art, just to change her identity, so she couldn't be traced. Yeah. Any follow-up questions on uh, ATR? Alex or J. Wells Wilder Jr.? No. JWWJ. Yeah, JWWJ. Like, what a great name, right? 
Very good. Not related to Gene Wilder either, as far as I could tell. Or to our horse, which is now called Wilder. We have a new a two-year-old horse called Wilder. There you Three. go. What are its technical indicators like? Good? Uh, no, pretty crappy. Just average for our horse. Regress to the mean for our horse. Right. <laughs> What's your rule one on a horse like that? Dog meat. <laughs> <laughs> Loses 10% of its races. It's gone. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. Yeah, no, there are rules to get out. You've got to give them, a, give them one or two preps and then out. They cost too yeah. much. Yeah. I'm like that with my wives. Uh, Alex, uh, have a good week, Alex. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on. Talk to you next week. Yeah, see you later. Bye. Bye, Bye. Bye honey. That's it. I'm going to go to Kung Fu. All right. Thank you, Tony. Good to chat again. It's been a while. Yeah, nice to see your face, man. Yeah. I've missed you. Likewise. Welcome, welcome back to the show. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good week. You too. Bye. Bye. Have a good week, everybody. Happy ASX. And that's the end of the free episode of QAV for this week. If yep. you're a new listener, I just should let you know how this works. So we have a free episode every week. It runs for about half an hour. We have a premium episode also every week. It goes for another 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how many questions we get where Tony answers questions from our club members. If you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a QAV club member, which is access to the checklist and and the Bible and uh, the private Facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have, invites to the dinners, Zoom calls, etc., etc., sign up for the two-week free trial and check out all that stuff out. You can do that at qavpodcast.com.au look for the um, free trial button there and if you like the idea of value investing QAV style but don't feel like you have the time or resources to learn how to do QAV for yourself think about signing up for QAV Lite that's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week and then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio and if they become a sell we email our QAV Lite members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Check that out too. It's sort of a low-effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus and then where are you? But while he's not, <laughs> we can do this. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T. If you don't want to sign up to any of those, just keep listening to the free episode. And if you have any questions, shoot me an email. You'll find that on our website too. All right, have a great week and good luck with your investing. The QAV podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129271. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.